Hello? Hey. What's happening? Not much. How are you? Good. Been a while, huh? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, I like that tag, by the way. <laughs> I figured it fit. Yeah. It's too bad they couldn't get this new one off the ground while he was still alive. Oh, that's... As much as I love the guy, you got to blame Bill Murray for that one. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, apparently, he was the holdout for years, so... It was a lot of his, yeah, a lot of his reticence is what prevented them from doing it for a long time. Yeah. Hey, Justin, what's up? What's happening? Well, you, you know who wasn't holding out for a new movie? Ernie Hudson. Uh, <laughs> well, he's also kind of never stopped working. Yeah, he's so. always in something. Wasn't he in like Boston Legal for years? Uh, I don't know of, if I ever. He might have been. I don't know that I ever watched that that much. He was like a recurring cameo judge in something. Uh, he could could have been that. Yeah, I love that. Even in the eighties, he went in to do like uh, the the casting call for Winston in the cartoon, and he yeah. didn't get the job. They were like, "No, nah, we're gonna go with Arsenio Hall because he's cooler." For Arsenio, huh? Wow, yeah. on a for a character that he originated. Did you actually have to guess killing for that, or are you guessing? What? Josh's name tag thing. Did, did, I'm you, sorry? Actually, did you actually have to like find a spelling for that, or are you guessing what it no, is? No, I know the spelling for that. Okay. I've never seen it written down. <laughs> you don't watch things with subtitles. Not generally, no. A lot of things with British accents, maybe, but um, otherwise, no. Okay, so uh, welcome to the B-Team Podcast. This is one we've been looking to do pretty much since we started this thing, and we're just waiting for uh, for Ghostbusters Afterlife to come out. Um, we are going to be reviewing Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I think we're going to try to do both movies in one pod, um, but we'll see where that takes us. Tonight, I am John Macy. Tonight, I am joined by Justin Ayotte. What's going on? Two movies, one pod. Nice. Josh Krubner. And making his triumphant return after a couple months away is Brent Perry. Yeah, Egon, but never forgotten. Hey. And just, <laughs> just so you guys know, I was present for a mass undersea sponge migration. Interesting. Oh, come on, boys. Yeah, I'm no. having audio higher and higher. So, so nobody was going to go with sponges migrate about a foot and a half. Come on. Oh, Josh jumped out. Yeah, I think he said he was having audio problems. So, no, no one was going to hit uh, uh, sponges migrate about a foot and a half. <coughs> no. Oh, I worked on. I worked on. I love how we just no-sold Macy's joke completely there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you fine. Uh, we can, can hear, hear you. Shit, but that's fine. Okay, so this obviously came... The Ghostbusters 1 came out in... Uh, was it summer of 84? Um, I guess... Summer of 84. 
<laughs> um, I guess we can start with what we usually start with. How did everybody first see this? Uh, let's go to Brett. Mine's the same as always. It's older uncle watched it when I was younger, and it was just one that I picked up on and just watched a hundred thousand times while I was growing up. Nice, Justin. I uh, had seen the second one, um, and I went, "Oh, this is the second one." And I eventually found the first one, probably a blockbuster, and uh, watched it. I love how Karen's story is basically, well, I found two, and then I remembered my numbers. <laughs> well, I, I mean, not not to crap on her, but I don't understand Honestly, that. most of the time, honestly, most of the time, first was around the time where like, you learn numbers and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> you know. It's not like tapes of Ghostbusters 1 did not exist in 89. I mean, you could have you know, I well, mean, I wasn't I wasn't exactly around in 89, so uh, that would have been a little difficult for me to try to find it. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I yeah, yeah, I caught I caught okay. the second one on uh, television one day. Uh, and it was one of those like, Saturday, Saturday afternoon delights or whatever, or Sunday afternoon delights, like on whatever channel it is. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is cool. Let me find the first one. Nice. Yeah, I probably saw I probably saw the second one when I was like five ish. Probably eventually saw the first one when I was I don't know maybe six or seven. And cool. in, de- in defense of five year old or six year old Karen, that's the poster for it did just have the ghost guy with the two fingers. So if you, you didn't, yeah, that could be easily True. overlooked as two, <laughs> or it could be overly looked at as peace. Like hi, <laughs> yeah, he's a friendly yeah. ghost. Josh, <laughs> please have a first experience with this movie that doesn't date me horribly. So this one is a little bit out of the norm for me. Um, we had the impossibly fucking hard Ghostbusters 2 NES game. <laughs> and I would play that and get destroyed. Oh, I Never made it to the end for several, several years. Uh, then we found the Ghostbusters 1 VHS. I remember watching it. My grandmother got drunk and then said, did you watch Ghostbusters? <laughs> and then uh, the next day, my aunt's like, oh, yeah, we have Ghostbusters 2, the movie. And I was like, there's a movie? And then later we found out there's the Ghostbusters 1 video game, which is also equally as hard. Oh, terrible. That's like, was that the, uh, bad. And then I pretty much watched the first one every day for five years. Mm-hmm. And at some point, USA started running the uh, real Ghostbusters. So I'd watch that in the morning and then come home from school and then I'd watch the movie at night. Mm. And then we started switching that up with Ghostbusters 2. We're putting them back to back and uh, kind of fell out of favor with that one. But we'll get to that later. And uh, eventually the DVDs came out. Ah, okay. Nice. And for me, go ahead, Brent. Let me guess. Yours is because you were a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. Oh please! <laughs> oh, we're doing answer the call. Oh I've god, let's not. Seen that movie. <laughs> not. <laughs> I mean, unless we can we can volunteer the idea that that was the first thing I volunteered to write for your old website. And oh my god! <laughs> I I literally have never actually seen the movie, but I've seen so much footage, video essay, documentary. I've seen about seven hours of footage on that movie but i've never actually seen the movie and 
the, I hope to keep it that way. The most honest one was the Plinket review, where he's just like, just stop talking. Just let a joke yeah. sit. Just stop <laughs> fucking talking. Like, that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, that's yeah I, I, that, one, that one I only saw because um, when I signed up for my, uh, uh, which one is it? Voodoo. The Voodoo account for, like, the free, well, the, the digital copies that come with your DVDs and Blu-rays. It was mm-hmm. one of the five that they preloaded <laughs> onto my account when you first start. It was like oh. that. Oh, they Ghost were trying to, they were trying to get. Like but two but other did movies. you get the Carl's Jr. Ghostbusters burger coupon? A free cheesy burger. I, I don't think you get that when it's a, a, a free one that they just put on your account. Plus, uh, the Carl's Jr. thing would be a little difficult for me. There's nothing around you. There are, I don't, I've never I, I don't think they actually before. exist. They've just been trolling me my whole life. Uh, their commercials are glorious. I've never seen one. I've been all over the country. <laughs> and for me, with Ghostbusters 1, I mean, I'm going to... My buddy Mike commented on one of our shows that we all seem to have this memory for how we first saw shit. And his... His defense was like, you've seen so many times, like, how are they not just genetic memories that you don't remember how you, you know, and I have to admit that beyond general terms, this is that one for me, because we, from the moment I started to give a shit about movies, which is probably the age of, you know, I would have been six when this came out originally, I think. But from the minute I started to care about movies, we always had a copy of this in the house. And like you, Josh, I probably watch this, maybe not daily, but at least once a week for probably 10, 12 years. Um, so yeah, I, I, usually, uh, I usually just do a pretty good job of guesstimating based on when things came out. And I knew I had like most stuff um, available, of, yeah, available, available to me on like some sort of media, like either home video or blockbuster or something like that. So I always just assume it's either that or it was on TV. <laughs> yep. And uh, so this is one of those. This is one of three comedic films that most people refuse to watch with me in the same room because I know every single word, just line by line. My man. Yep. It's this dumb and tough baseball. I know every single word. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing lines, so I don't know if Sarah's going to be joining us for this one, which would suck because she was really excited about doing Ghostbusters 2. Um, she might be. I'm still not even home yet, but she's had to work late. Well, we, so we still got to talk. all oh. of her story right now because later, uh, but we, I will we still gotta do on the spot. And say that she prefers Ghostbusters 2 to the first one, and she thinks it's funnier. Uh, okay. I uh, um, I could see arguments for that. <laughs> I don't I, I necessarily will not, agree, but I could see how other people might think that. I will say not to talk about with that one later, that I did watch that a couple days ago just to be prepared for this. And I tried to... Um, my problem with it growing up was compared to the first one, it always came off like the one that was more like selling the toys and whatever. So it just kind of came off as like, even at the age of like, I was 11, I think when out. So by the time I was like 16 and watching those two movies a lot, 
it just kind of came off as like this utterly commercial, not that good. They're just doing it to sell toys kind of thing. It was but, really cash grabby. Yeah. 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 But watching it, but watching it this week, like that's still there, but it's not like it's an unfunny movie. And like, I can see, I, I'm curious to see what, hear what Thera's argument is because this is probably the first time I've looked at that movie in like probably five or six years. Well, and I. <laughs> the, the two biggest points that I like look towards, like where it might be like legitimately funnier is more Lewis. And fucking, yeah, and, and Yanos, like every line that guy yeah, says so, is fucking hilarious because he's so over the top. I mean, we both do. Everything but, yeah. you're doing is bad. I need you oh, to know. That. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's one of my favorite throwaway lines for just a scene transition, and it's just it's fucking perfect. Yeah, that and why, think... why why am I covered in goo? Oh, I love why that. Am I, yeah. Why am I dripping with goo? And he's just so fucking happy. He's just like, yeah. Man. <laughs> even though, I mean, you know, we're jumping ahead, but even when he just pulls the fuzzy thing out of Dana's hair, he goes, you, you had the white thing. Like Sarah was dying on yeah. that. So. <laughs> yeah. He's... I think, uh, I think out of the uh, I think out of the four of us, I probably like that one the most. I'm assuming because I know I think John doesn't really like it at all. Or uh, like like you said, it, it kind of grew on it. I guess the other. My opinion has sort of changed somewhat. Yeah. When I watch today, like it is, it is a far more commercial, like kid friendly, kid friendly uh, iteration. But it's not. You know, I was trying to divorced all that from it this time around. I knew we were probably going to get into it pretty significantly. And I found myself liking a lot more of it than I ever did. Yeah. Well, I, I will have a story to put myself on my, my sword for how much I do appreciate it. So we'll get to that later. But let's get back to perfection because this, this fucking movie is my uh, my sixth favorite movie of all time. And everyone who knows me, I quote unquote hate everything. Uh, this is one of about 15 movies, maybe 14, where I would say this is a perfect script. This is a perfect screenplay. Yeah, there's very, even like in the filming, like the actual technical aspects, like we were like we were mentioning it in chat the other day. Like there's only really like two or three spots where the visuals don't actually still hold up for today. So it's like, you know what? This yes. is like it's, it's almost a flawless movie. Like that being said. Having watched the deleted scenes for the first time in probably 30 years, it would not have been a perfect movie if no. those in. There's one no. thing that apparently might or might not make its way into Afterlife, so I won't say what, and that's a rumor. Um, it has a joke in it that's played with a delivery that is perfect for the movie, and it would have been fine, but that's the only thing. The rest of those deleted scenes were fucking terrible. Yeah, I remember. I didn't watch them this time, but I remember not being all that impressed by those at the like. I probably watched them the first time I ever watched the DVD or whatever, and uh, I remember not being impressed by most of those. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I've ever seen those the deleted scenes, but I mean, originally it was supposed to be uh, Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in it at the beginning, like in the Hudson, you know, Ernie what? Hudson's uh, role. And, uh, see that big yeah. of a by 84? Yeah, it was, um, well, 84 was uh, Beverly Hills Cop, and I think that was the reason they said why he didn't do it, is because they had Beverly Hills Cop, 
Yeah, yeah Winston was supposed to have a much, much bigger role originally, and it was basically mm-hmm. written for Eddie Murphy, and then they just kind of scaled it back. And, and then everybody loved Ernie Hudson anyway. And technically, mm-hmm. Bill Murray wasn't even supposed to be in it, because when it was no. originally being written, that was supposed to be a Belushi role. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. But That's we right. all know what happened there, right? And, and, then, I think ori- yep. and I think originally it was only going to be the three. It was going to be Belushi, Aykroyd, and um, Murphy. Yep. Um, and then um, eventually, because of the whole Eddie Murphy thing, they needed a third person. So um, Ramis ended up stepping in because I think he, at that Ooh. point, I think he was helping Aykroyd write it. Well, see, but the, then the I think they asked him to story- come in. The story I always got was once Belushi died, they wanted uh, Bill Murray for the most like that. That was one of their top mm-hmm. choices, and yeah. the only way they talked him into coming on board is when they said, "Well, we'll get Harold Ramis to come in and like script Doctor," and because they'd already worked together. And I think it was Caddyshack at that point. And uh, yeah. uh, might have been Stripes. Stripes uh, might have been uh, Krishna. Krishna. <laughs> but yeah, like that was basically the the selling point to get Bill Murray on board was bringing on uh, fucking Egon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, and they actually casted um Ernie Hudson until like they were already shooting. Oh, they and definitely were. that's and that's the reason why he's introduced so late in the movie is because they everything the filming the beginning and they still hadn't casted the role plus. They were still having uh, fights with the studio over uh, the name of the movie, and because it was a TV show called Ghostbusters in the '60s, and so they were fighting with the rights over that. You, and you so can't they, mention that you, and not say that it had a monkey. It had a monkey. That had a gorilla. <laughs> was that it was a, color It was like a. It was like a gorilla or something. It was like this yeah, big giant a, gorilla thing. A guy in an ape suit. Yeah, yep. and, and then, then they went around it back. back. They, they brought it back because of the popularity of the movie as an animated thing. And, and that is why the animated Ghostbusters is called the real, Ghostbusters. the real Ghostbusters. Oh, because even I never knew yeah. that. When, when the studio can, uh, negotiated for the rights to the name, they only did it for the movies. So then once I, the yeah. movies ended up a success, the other company, uh, it wasn't Golem and Globus, but it was someone along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever company owned the original rights, they were like, well, we still have the rights for cartoons, so let's slap whatever out. And they did one with, like, a giant purple fucking gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. But what was yeah. funny is that the, the studio head from, I think it was originally 20th Century, and then he went to Universal. And that's when um, it was Paramount and then Universal, something like that. He had the rights to the movie. I guess the studio didn't have rights to the movie companies he took the rights of the movie with him and then he fought for it there and i guess it was easier when he was with universal to get the right to name ghostbusters because this is all and if anybody wants to see the whole story of it there's a show on netflix called um the movies that made us and there's a ghostbusters episode that goes into this all in depth but when they're shooting the scene where everybody's screaming Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, they had the crowd say Ghostbusters instead of uh, Ghost Stoppers or whatever the name was. And they called um, the studio head from and he just put the payphone up to the crowd and they heard him chanting in the background and they were like, well, we got to do it now because we can't refilm this scene. And so oh, they, awesome. you know, yeah. yeah, so I was, if he just was going to, I was definitely going to shout out uh, movies that made us. There's some 
really great episodes. There's some they kind of phoned in. They didn't really. Yeah. They don't always get like prominent players in the cast. Uh, like Sigourney Weaver does show up for the Aliens one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they always get like the crew. Usually they'll get the director. There's some pretty good insights on those. There's um, also... Another thing about this movie that we'll get to. There are a number of shots. See, the second one is famous for all the reshoots that stick out. This one is famous for illegal shots that they just did as pickups. <laughs> and it's always my argument <laughs> when someone says, you know, well, why didn't they do this with Jason Takes Manhattan? Which, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, claims to be Jason Takes Manhattan. We call it Jason Takes Vancouver because 90% of it is either on a boat or shot in Vancouver pretending to be Manhattan. And then you look at Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, they're obviously shot in New York. So, you know, the way they got away with it is they did it illegally. And anytime you see like a shitload of extras and cars actually driving, that's a pickup shot they did illegally. I'll never see a street that. And I was pointing this out to Sarah. And compared to the scene where we see Dana going to her apartment on Central Park West, which is, you know, one of the busiest parts of New York. There's like five cars and no one on the sidewalks. I was like, see, that's a closed off street where they're getting fired and kicked out of the university and you hear the wind blowing and you see their hair blowing. That's done on the spot. That was just shot on the spot and they had to run the second it was over. We were talking about this. I think it was for Ninja Turtles. There's a couple of shots where it's like there's too many, like it's too much of a chaotic crowd on the sidewalk there to just be extras. Like that has to be an illegal shot. Like, yep. Yeah, I think it was sometime in the 90s that they like put like a damper on that kind of stuff. Because I think it also happens in uh, Home Alone, uh, Home Alone 2, sorry, the one that's in New York. So I think, I think like in the 90s at some point, they kind of like kind of put the, the lid on, you know, doing those kinds of shots. Well, no, 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 no Justin, that's, that's not what it was at all. It's illegal. You always yeah. need a permit. It was that we had gorilla film. Mm. didn't give it. Studios weren't giving them three hundred million dollars. They were giving them like four million dollars, and they had yeah. to finagle. And, yeah, I know, but what I'm, I know, I know, it was always illegal. But what I'm saying though is that it was like more enforced, I guess. No, no, yeah, it was always like, like they literally run after the shots are over. Yeah. But like, okay, they had balls. Yeah, and think of the conviction those motherfuckers had. Like, it's not like they were just walking down the street with an iPhone in their hand like they do today. Oh, no, yeah, they, yeah, they, they were carrying like, a, like forty-five yeah, pound fucking cameras. Like, there was no being exactly. sneaky about it. There was. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's interesting. I guess I never really thought about that. Watching this movie at like eight, nine, ten, you never think about how it's made, and even even I didn't think. Even then, it would be, and I re, I know they did it on what would be relative in relative terms now, kind of a shoestring budget. Because I don't think anybody thought it was going to turn into what it did. Um, but uh, now I'm going to have to. Now the next time I watch it, probably in a couple of months, I'm going to have to go back and look at like, did they do this one legally or not? Yeah, I uh, think originally budget but then i think as it drew on like and and eddie murphy wasn't in it and then you know they got rewritten and then it switched studios i think the budget ended up becoming less and less just because they you know couldn't do certain things and with the whole rights issue i think that's that's where the budget stuff came into play and again the special effects on that for 1984 were fucking like above top notch at the time so like a lot of money went into that instead of other spots where yeah Right, because it had to be convincing, I think. Um, so, 
I think the thing that that I mean, and this, you know, Josh, you were saying this is one of your top fifteen. Um, this is my favorite comedy ever. Uh, I think he said it was number six. Okay. No, well, yeah. movies, not comedies, but oh. it is definitely up there for comedies yeah. for me as well. For me, this is my favorite comedy. Uh, so, I was, you know, I was at your number six movie, but it's not like one of your favorite comedies. It, I just said it's my probably number two or three. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yep. And this is also <laughs> this. This would also. This is the the only comedy that I'll. Um, and the I comedy or what? The only comedy in my all-time top. Um, and for me, this pretty much lives and dies on the casting and like the fact that. And I really noticed it watching this time. It's like, and you know, that three of these four guys knew each other already before this. And uh, it really made the characters seem more like. They had like real life, and they weren't like just actors playing gold. Well, it's you, every one of them came from like a groundling sketch comedy troupe kind of background, I think, except mm-hmm. that, except maybe Ernie Hudson. So like yeah, they all they uh, all knew how to like just run with a character. You know what I mean? Yep. So like there was a lot of times where like they didn't they didn't have to come up with like specific. Okay, well this is your character. This is your character. This is your character. They were just like, okay, here's your basic character. Figure something out, and we'll work with it. Right? Yeah, because yeah, Ackroyd ran with um those uh STV guys, I think, up in Canada. SCTV. SCTV. Yeah, and he was SNL. Yeah. And then, and of course, Murray ended up at SNL too. But I think he was over with the Groundlings or something like that in, in Chicago for a while. Yep. You know, yep. before he went to SNL. And, and I think Harold Ramis. He was a He directed a lot of fucking SCTV stuff. Yeah. Which, which was Second City, which was again another fucking big comedy troupe. Back and in he the had 70s. Been, oh yeah. He had been in strife with Bill Murray at this point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of the SNL people came from Second City or the Groundlings. At that time. And for me, like, I, I actually have always thought the key to this movie was Bill Murray in the sense of uh, at least with the core three before Winston shows up, if all three of them are like earnestly behind him, what the fuck are you doing? I'm on a map? I guarantee the chips. <laughs> um, I heard him. I heard him pressing some buttons. I heard him pressing some buttons, and all of a sudden, it sounds like he's like you know halfway through a bag of chips. Yeah. If all no, three I'm, of I'm the... out of the car, I parked. Okay. Oh. I, had grab, I had to grab my papers. Oh, oh all right. All gotta right. get the papers. Gotta get the papers. Um, get the papers. Get the papers. If all three of the central characters are like earnestly behind the idea of you know earnestly into the idea of ghosts and stuff. I think in some ways this this movie would have become like absolutely intolerable. The fact that uh, Murray's character just kind of looks at like when the, in the very beginning when that when the dean tells him you know you treat science like a like a dodge or a hustle forever like you mm. almost need that to like ground it for the audience in the sense of like can you believe how ridiculous this all is and so- it kind of. Well, honestly, I think he was like that in on set. Like actually, like that was kind of his attitude towards the whole thing. I think well, it was kind of like that because he was like one. pretty aloof. Yeah, no, especially with the second one. But it played into his character. Yeah, just like John said, like it starts out 
in both movies, he's, you know, the pretend paranormal dealing with the mind and, and psychics. And he's just and a total shyster. He doesn't believe like... any of it. He doesn't give a shit about any of it. Mm. And even after he's already seen ghosts and, you know, knows yep. that it's all now real, he doesn't give a shit. And at that point, he's investigating things with Dana, and he's not taking that seriously. Well, that's right. just like... The whole movie, he comes across as like a sleazy used car salesman where he's like, yeah, yeah, I know this is a piece of shit. It's probably all fucking bullshit, but yeah, I'm going to sell it like it's fucking real. Like, right. That's the attitude and, I get and, from him. And, like, and I think oh. I feel like he's the, the the prototype academic who's never been outside of outside of like the university system. He's never had a never had a non-academic job and has no idea what to do outside of it. Yeah, and I and I think it's I think it was great how much um, like detail and how much research, you know, Dan Aykroyd had really put into this, and and obviously he kind of played himself too because his uh, grand was really into all of this stuff. And, well, it wasn't um, just his grandfather; it was, no, it was no, his whole fucking, fucking family. family. Well, yeah, yeah, the whole family. His grandfather was the one that I guess like started his interest in it and stuff like that because they had like a seance room and all kinds of stuff. And right, so, he, family, like... yeah, and one summer he went up, went up to the house and was reading all the books, and that's how he got the idea for the movie. And you know, so the fact that he not only believed it then but still believes it, you know, kind of feeds yeah. into his character a bit. Yeah, kind, of a, oh, kind of a side tangent here, but like I forget what happened. I don't know if it was in one of the elections or if it was one of the natural disasters or fucking. But yeah, he gets on CNN and he's like, you know what? This is exactly why aliens will never contact us. Yeah, like really, like right now. Now you're gonna pull this right now. <laughs> That's funny though. Oh yeah, um, but he's he's always been into like the weird, the conspiracy theory. Like he actually had a conspiracy theory show for a while. Yeah. Basically, it was Jesse Ventura before Jesse Ventura was Jesse Ventura, and before and we were like. Now he's affiliated. Crystal head. It's, you know what? That's brewed like literally <laughs> up the street from my friend's place in Newfoundland. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's always crystal around. Crystal head yeah. vodka in the house of blues. <laughs> yeah, he's always I've had around. That yeah, crystal head vodka. It's very expensive, but it's damn good. Hey, mm. we can make fun of Dan Aykroyd all we want, but he did as much blow as Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher <laughs> on those movies, and he's still alive. So he's got it's something. <laughs> now, I had read something that said that the Rick Moranis role was originally supposed to be John Candy, mm-hmm. and he was going to be like a German tourist who walked around in lederhosen. Oh, it would have been terrible. <laughs> it wouldn't have been the same at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like John Candy, but I just don't see how that would have fit in this movie. Uh, well, 90, I think with him, it was another schedule. What Moranis does in this movie is ad lib. And it's incredible. Oh, and it adds to every part that he's in. Like, he's the best part of the first one. Yep, I think that's certainly arguable. Yeah. When the cops drop him off, like, that is the best scene in, like, there's, like, seven great fucking moments in, like, a three-minute scene. Not even that. When he's at the party and he's just (laughs) walking around introducing people, he's like, you know. This is Ted and Annette, and they got this, and they're coming here. <laughs> you know, I climbed out on the ledge and turned my TV up a little loud too. <laughs> yeah, and then and then it's funny now. Um, on uh, Facebook recently, I don't know if it's just because the movie is coming out, but I've seen a lot of this meme about like um, 
when you like when your kids are explaining your video their video game to you or something and it's the part where he's um telling uh egon about like the you know oh with the yeah, next house of course, of the and, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he's sitting there in the and thing and he and jewels <laughs> And Egon just deadpan goes, hmm, fascinating. Just goes, like, the and whole, then, uh, like every bit, like where the cops drop him off when he's possessed to the Ghostbusters, and like right away, Janine's the dropping off and picking up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then she and, just like, and she just looks and goes, "There's something seriously wrong with that man." Yeah, and then she looks at Egon and she goes, "You're such a humanitarian." And deadpan again, he just goes, "I don't, I don't think, think he's, he's human." human. I mean, and then there's another part where, like, she's pouring a cup of coffee and she's like, coffee? And, like, just fucking Lewis just looks at him and he goes, Yes, have some. So Lewis goes, Yes, have some. And it's fucking hilarious. Like, that whole chunk, there's like a a three minute chunk where it's just nothing but fucking solid gold in there. And it's like nothing even happens. It's just them just. Doing their thing. Wasn't he? Wasn't he eating so, like the coffee grounds or something? I so, think so. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just sitting there munching. He had lived that. But so oh, one of the things did. I really was interested in was, you know, how much of the stuff that always made me laugh holds up. Everything with Ramus. Everything. Everything with Moranis. That yeah. The entire none of the movie, even for me, has dropped off in any way. In that sense, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased in that sense too because of how much I love this going in, but. I mean, to me, the vast majority of it still holds up. And it's yeah, kind of like, funny how, like, nowadays, like, like uh, Bill Murray, like, almost everything he says, like, people would be like, oh, he's so toxic. Especially oh, when, like, um, especially yeah, when he's it, talking to, uh, the what is it, the violinist or whatever that comes out with her from the practice and stuff like that. No, and, like, the stuff no, he says there is hilarious. Two things that, like, this movie would be fucked for cancel culture for is, like, a, he walks around with date rape drugs, and B, it was almost called oh. spook chasers. Yep. <laughs> you me- well, you mentioned the Thor thing, and we couldn't figure out for the life of us why he would be carrying that around if it wasn't for that. <laughs> well, it's, it's again, he mm-hmm. it is established early on because he is a, psychiatr- or a psychologist, right? So right. at the time, this was an experimental drug used in psychology tests. So, like, yep. there is a legitimate reason for him to have that that's not rapey at all, but it's just, like, in today's context, it's just like, wow, that's just a date rape drug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I know we're, you know, we're kind of jumping all over the place with this one, and I think we've sort of abandoned the idea of, like, going <laughs> the through the plot and stuff. It's because fucking, everybody, everybody who's going to listen to this already knows it's already seen Ghostbusters, and if you so, haven't, I don't want you to listen. <laughs> so I think yeah, if, if you haven't seen the Ghostbusters, next, the next I thing mean... I mentioned mentioned was uh, Peck. Oh, I mean, Peck. oh yeah. this guy is so great. <laughs> not just him, the dude that plays the fucking slimy mayor. Like it, it's everyone in that whole group is fucking nails it. But Peck especially, yes. And and yeah. here we come, and here we come to the diehard uh, connection because not oh, only yeah. him, mm-hmm. not only him, but Reginald Bell Johnson. Reginald Bell Johnson. Yep. Yeah, yep. he's also in this. Uncle Carl is. Yep. Carl Winslow. No, but I mean Peck is just like he that guy is such an asshole. And yep. he basically went and play he's a, he, he, an even more smarmy asshole and diehard if that's possible. He, he oh, is God. the perfect face of bureaucracy character. All <laughs> yep. right. So you know what I mean? Just that fucking like irritating, just in your way, fucking just get it in my way, government guy. Like that's, he, 
he's he's perfect villain and you know people are like oh he's one dimensional i'm like no, no no he's perfect and here's why john i was gonna save this but since we haven't even gotten to the movie itself yet i'm about to blow your mind uh for anyone who listened when we did the show on the dead i told john that if you look real hard and there's a meme going around where ed basically explains the entire plot of the movie mm-hmm. egon does this in both movies when they go to buy the firehouse and they ask Egon, what do you think? He says, I think this building should be condemned. There's serious metal fatigue and all the load-bearing members. The wiring is substandard. It's completely inadequate for our power needs. The entire neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what ends up happening in the movie. Basically. I think I caught it more in this I think I caught it more in the second than this one, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> Well, yeah, the second one it is like just completely on the nose for like you know the plot mechanic they need, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this to me this you know and I didn't even before this before I started watching this regularly like I was not somebody that watched a lot of comedies anyway because even by like the age of nine ten I was already watching. <laughs> Star Trek ninety percent of my ninety percent of my TV movie time was taken up with that even then, so like to um, even I don't know where I could throw this in, but yeah, we can't overlook the subliminal messaging of the entire city of New York getting covered with white goo and then a quick flash to Ron Jeremy in the crowd. <laughs> oh, that I didn't even notice. <laughs> you, really? Because he's there, yeah. and it's just I like never. Wait, I've seen the movie hundreds of times. Never noticed Ron Jeremy there. When the fucking what? when the bricks start falling, the, the crowd jumps back, and you see him for a split second there. Oh, and then when yeah, when the, the marshmallow man explodes, it's <laughs> very very unsubtly just a flash of Ron Jeremy, and it's like what? <laughs> That's mm. hysterical. Yeah. That's bizarre. Okay. Um. I also had no idea that Stay Puft was a real brand of marshmallows. Mm-hmm. No idea. Thought they made that up. Wait, uh, wait Stay Puft's a real brand of marshmallows? Yeah. It might not be now, but it was at the time. It was at the time. Well, yeah. I know that the mascot's not real because he was combined from the uh, Michelin Man. Michelin, Michelin Man, Man, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Stay Puft was a real brand at the time. Well, no shit. We're um, going about this all wrong. He's a sailor. He's in New, He's York. In New York. We got him show him a good time. <laughs> we get him laid. He'll have no, have no trouble at all. <laughs> so I, also in, um, I also liked in uh, the second I one. I tried to clear did. my mind. Oh, what the hell did you do, Ray? <laughs> Ray, what did, what you, did do? you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying. What else can we go at it's here? A, well, we didn't. Even, we didn't even set up the plot of the movie. Yet. Yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna bother. Oh, we can run through it. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Plot Josh, of the movie: can... Four guys try to bust a ghost. Not even. Three schlubs start a fucking exterminator company. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Um. So here's the question. Do the ghosts have anything to do with the coming of Gozer? <sighs> do, you mean does the does the uptick in supernatural activity have something to do with Gozer showing up? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. They say that in the movie. Well, they say that in a car ride where Winston basically just suggested, and this is three scenes after Winston said. 
for a steady paycheck, I'll believe whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, literally the next time you see Winston, he's actually being told exactly what he's supposed to believe. Right. Is, so, I mean, it, you know, we do have the, the, the uh, Twinkie conversation. Yeah, but... Isn't the Twinkie scene after, before that, though? Okay, so maybe, yeah. It is. Fair enough. Twinkie scenes after that, yes. No, I thought it was before that scene in the car. Oh, that's right. They weren't privy for that because then he comes in and he's just telling about the Twinkie. Right. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a good question. I guess I'd never really thought of that. I mean, we, uh, we know that, you know, Zool and, and Vins are the harbingers of Gozer, but, you know, all these other ghosts, they said they've been around for a while. Yeah, but he, he also says, like, there's in well, the, 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 in, a, in the coming of Gozer, a there's a whole bunch of weird shit amps up. Like it, it yep. yeah, it increases so, and increases. So like they that, might have had ghosts beforehand, but yep. like, the, like the Scalera brothers coming out of the fucking courthouse and like a lot of well, those shit. That's the second oh, movie. Shit, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, but well, even, I mean, you have like the whole thing that, uh, possessed Rick Moranis gives that prophecy and so the first sign is the, the release of the prisoners and stuff, which is obviously the containment system blowing up. So, I mean, to some extent, yeah. What, what was that the release of the prisoners or was the release of the prisoners from Gozer's dimension when the ghosts started showing up in the real world to begin with? I guess it could be either. Right. Could be, I, yeah. I just find it convenient that you know, ten minutes after that, ha- ten minutes after he says that is when the containment grid blows up. <laughs> well, I right. think, yeah. I think, I think the, uh, I think the ghost busting may have awoken uh, Zul and Gozer and stuff like that, because that's probably yeah, but, what he's talking about is the prisoners. Yeah, okay. But you if, know what I mean, but how could they bust the ghosts if the ghosts weren't there to bust? It's a chicken and an egg. Well, no, well, well, so, no, well like. Like for example, like the ghosts were able to run around wild and free, but then now that you have the ghost bar, they're catching them and and trapping them and making them prisoners. Right. So when the but prisoners so are left it's, free, it's, two, it's twofold here. First of all, there is more ghosts than usual. Second of all, all the gozer shit starts in like 1920 with Evo Shandor when it has the apartment built in the first place. The apartment is supposed to act like basically a tuning fork to Gozer's dimension, and for like the last hundred years, it's been gathering energy. Yep, leading to the thing in in Dana Barrett's refrigerator, right. and and so on and so forth. And uh, ghost blowjobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think See, that was just Dan Aykroyd's fetish, and he put it in as a dream sequence. That was actually why, for the longest time as a kid, I was convinced it was an R-rated movie. <laughs> because I just figured even oh, it would have been if it came out five years later, it absolutely would have been. Yeah. And I mean, I just, you know, even as a kid, I was like, you know, and I didn't really at that age, I didn't really have any clue what that was, but obviously I could tell she was, the ghost was going into his pants. And I was like, there's no way this isn't rated R. Um, well, that's, well, I'll do you one better. What is Egon doing? The first scene we see Janine. Hooking up her computer. Is he? Is he? Because she comes out on... from underneath, looking in her direction, and what? she just says, "Oh, you're very good with your hands," and like everything between the two of them is just deadpan. Oh, yeah. maybe, I guess. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure when that scene starts, she's typing. Oh, so it's like, why well, would you yeah. be typing on a computer that's not hooked up yet? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> but yeah, <it's>, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of things that like it, it. The way the scenes open and end, like it, it leaves stuff to interpretation. So like, yeah. It's well, one like one of the deleted we... scenes that's just awful has Lewis asking Dana if they had sex when they turned into possessed dogs. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> She's just like, no, we didn't. And it's just so bad with the delivery. And you yeah. Know. Well, I always, even when I saw that deleted scene, I took that as like they somehow did, but she just doesn't want to admit it because he's Rick Moranis. Well, yeah, they, they obviously did. I mean, that's the whole joke of, you know, the key master and the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that's one of those parts where it totally leads you where you're supposed to think. <laughs> I can't wait to see them in Afterlife. Well, Moranis won't be, and he doesn't do anything. I, I meant the dogs. Oh, yeah, so, you know, you know, they're gonna be the dogs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, that's the one like that's the one part of the movie that actually is a flaw to me is that where the fucking terror dog fucking chases him down the hallway and then across the lawn. And like that dog just doesn't, the claymation does not hold up at all. Not even a oh, Corey, like a, a visual flaw. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yep. in Corey terms raised of the, the, the writing, I'm fine with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Visually, Cor- yes. Corey, raised the, Corey raised the question about the, the scene with the dog chasing him when he gets to tavern on the green. Mm-hmm anyone else see the dog so i was gonna bring this up later because i did watch the cinema sense for this and you know cinema sense sometimes makes okay to good points um he just phoned this one in and just didn't get the movie for the parts that he did watch a simple interpretation knowing how the dogs acted with dana is they kind of like blink in and out of reality and they can pop out of places so there's there's no telling it didn't just turn invisible or like, you know, it had already possessed him at that point and we just see him sliding down the glass. But I always took it as they could see and they just didn't care and that well, made the scene all the funnier. Well, that's yeah, the I thing. thought that like, was the joke that they saw it happen but didn't give a fuck. Yeah. But no, Lewis just... is like, he's a bumbling accountant. If he's a bumbling accountant professionally like he is in real life like if he's a loser at work and he fucked up fucking like rich people's accounts those no, rich no, people might he's supposed to be like the, the hot shit accountant in this movie that's why he's having that party and that's why like all these people love him okay and he lives in central park west and he's well, like because i was always well, that's, thinking that's like, why everybody loves him <laughs> okay i was thinking because like okay maybe these rich snobs know him and they're like that fucking asshole fucking lost me money on my taxes last year fuck him no, that's that's too much. Of the whole thing was supposed to be the apathy of the Upper East Side, which I know you're Canadian, but especially at that point in the '80s, like <laughs> these were just the highfalutin people. These was like everybody was Richard Leach, uh, Robin Leach. Sorry, everybody I mean, was they, a Cuomo didn't brother. Didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so what you're uh, saying is everybody was a Cuomo brother. Yes, everybody was eating caviar. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, great poupon, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was there anything to the? Did anyone else see the whole thing about when they originally pitched this to studios? It was way more of a like a futuristic sci-fi movie where ghostbusting was like a common job, and it was yeah, more and then, of like a. Yeah, they actually in that in that interview that I sent you guys from a couple nights ago from Jimmy Fallon, he actually said that when he um, originally wrote the script, it was um, uh, it was in like a different dimension, 
And so uh, Ivan Reitman um, asked them. Wait, 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 wait. Was... I, I... Yeah, right. I have to get clarification. When he wrote the script, it was in a different dimension. The setting of the movie or him in the 70s? <laughs> uh, both. Okay. Okay. Because it is Dan Aykroyd. Like, yeah. he did do a lot of different fucking drugs. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, Jimmy Fallon, that uh, it was originally a different dimension. And um, uh, Reitman asked, um, how. Um, how can we get it to be like basically on earth or like more relatable? And they were like, well, let's just set it in New York and we're busting ghosts. <laughs> and then that got Bill Murray like cracking up laughing. He's like, oh yeah, that's something that everybody can relate to. Let's set it in New York, <laughs> busting ghosts. Yeah. Well, it, but it is like every character is very relatable to like an average person. Right. Mm. You got the bookworm in Egon, you got the sleazy car salesman in fucking Peter. You got the working blue class guy in fucking Winston. And then you got the like the child naivety in Ray. You know what I mean? Like yep. they're all very easy fucking aspects of a human to be like, okay, I know I'm like that, or I know someone who is like that. And then you can kind of apply it to your group of people. And then it yeah. It's the same way like the dam- the dynamics between like the ninja turtles and like any good group of fucking any characters work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but well, yeah, well, more for, like, it was more, I guess, more like the Ninja Turtles from the cartoon in the movie. All movies. right, so if we're doing Ninja Turtles, obviously <laughs> Vankman is Raphael. Yeah. Is Ray Michelangelo? Yes. Yeah. Egon is the Donatello. Winston is Leonardo? Not because the No, Ray wouldn't be Michelangelo. I think that would be Bill Murray. He would no, be no, Bill Murray is definitely, definitely Raphael. <laughs> Me uh, and Josh are just echoing each other here twice tonight. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but then, Donatello. Yeah, so then yeah, what about Winston? Be, but Winston and Leo do kind of sync up because, like, who's the most boring Ninja Turtle? It's true. Who's the one they well, put that, the least amount of character the in? Who knows all the the background religion and <laughs> well, just it replace. He's the leader, so he doesn't need a character. With he's the black guy, so he doesn't need a character. And it's the and same. If anything, thing. Winston's the grown up. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand half this shit anyway. He's just trying to rein him in half the time. Well, it's he's basically, yeah, he's <laughs> him and Leonardo, in a sense, are supposed to be like the audience insert, the one that, like, okay, they're kind of a neutral character. So you see everything through their point of view in a way. Like, it's the most relatable point of view of them. It, yeah. There is, there is comparables there if you really slice it. But yeah. Well, knowing yeah. that, like, the comics Slicing came that. out like a year later in conception anyway like i'm now wondering how much fucking eastman and laird stole the ghostbusters for the next well for the dynamics of the group like yeah it's definitely there there's definitely like you could make arguments like you could write fucking the old fucking post site the old yeah yeah you could write articles on it that like you could do you could do good comparables you know what i mean I mean, it's way more obviously for the personalities of the turtles cartoon but that's still 87 so yeah. Now, I think the other thing, and we've sort of, you know, we've thrown out a lot of things already, but uh, the other major thing that I take out of this movie is the quotability. Oh, oh absolutely. Tons. Like, my, my favorite thing in the movie, it's, it's easily the funniest line of all time, but it only works in context, is, you know, when the stairs appear, is where do these stairs go? <laughs> they go up. <laughs> 
<laughs> the last thing uh, I said to Corey before I left the room to come do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saturday appears. Yep. That's not the best line. There are two good lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> one from each movie. <laughs> well, we're only doing the first one right now. We're only doing the first one. We're waiting for you. Is when they're causing mayhem in the uh, the fancy schmancy hotel. <laughs> and he pulls the... Uh, uh, he pulls the tablecloth. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Not pulls the tablecloth. Um, he pulls the tablecloth. No, no, no. He does do that. That's not where he says the line. It's where uh, they're shooting around. He almost kills the maid. Going ar- around the, uh, going around the chandelier, and he goes, "Nah, shooting text." Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna go with <laughs> and, the and the flowers are still standing. <laughs> that was a good one yep. too. Uh, one of the. The, the best deadpan deliveries, though, because I love when they just throw in like the background lore, is when he's talking. Basically, Venkman's doing the introduction to Spangler and Ray as they're walking into the library. And uh, he says, You know, well, Egon tried to drill a hole through his head that one time. And, and Spangler just looks at him and goes, And it would have worked if you didn't try to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> just the deadpan way he says, He's like, That would have worked. Because, uh, Venkman tries to make a joke out of it. He's like, you know, this reminds me of that time you tried to drill a hole through your head. And Ramus just very calmly just goes, that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, I like the, the only thing that didn't hold up for me uh, was a few things that Bill Murray says. And ever since I noticed it from, I'll give full credit to Red Letter Media, and it's his favorite movie of all time. Um, there are a couple of Bill Murray ADRs, mm-hmm. and they just really stick out. I don't know if they necessarily always land, but they really stick out. Yeah, it like, makes me yeah. wonder like what lines were actually there that they ADR'd over. Because you know, he so, said- so the most famous one that they pointed out, and it actually is because of the TV sensors. Because on the DVD, on the Blu-ray we have, they actually have the TV version, and you know, if you grew up and watched it all the time, you mm-hmm. knew everything. Um, the most famous is, you know, I'll sue your ass for uncle prosecution becomes I'll sue your funny face. And it's just like jumps yeah. to the Godzilla dub of Bill Murray saying funny face. Mm. Um, but in the actual movie, it's, you know, it's true, man, your honor, this man has no dick. And then it cuts and you just hear Bill Murray go, well, that's what I heard. Yeah. And, you know, they, they basically they threw it in because they figured like this is something they had to get past the censors because that could have given them an R rating. Yeah, yep. Yeah, because I think at this there, point there, there still a wasn't a PG thirteen. When it's either no. a cut and he'll say something off screen, or when he's on like the phone or something, and they don't all land. Um, the other one that doesn't land for me anymore is when he gets slimed and he just goes, "I feel so funky." Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was, was weird. Dated. Well, I will that say one of the weird. one of the Bill Murray lines that does land for me is when he's uh when they're done in the hotel in the ballroom and then they come out and they got to get the payment and he tells the guy oh you know i think it's going to be like 5 grand oh that's absurd i will not pay that and he goes all right well we'll put it back <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right that, back that's in great there. Yeah. Right back in no, there. he has a lot of really really good ones but you know <laughs> there's one yeah no there's something you don't see every day <laughs> that one that one gets used in everyday life for me so often like he had, he had a really good one in two where, and I think it's just one of those lines because I, I haven't seen that one as much. I just didn't really remember it, but I laughed a lot when they're doing the, the robotic Statue of Liberty thing. 
and it steps higher on a cop car. And yep. Okay, that's twice. You get one more. <laughs> um, uh, and it steps on a police car, and he just goes, "She's tough. She's a harbor chick." Yep. Yeah. And that just the, for some reason that had me dying. Um, well, I think that was supposed to be the callback, and, and I'll get to that when we hit two, because, oh, it's worse than Force Awakens, boys. Uh, but that's the callback <laughs> inverse to, you know, he, he's a sailor. We get him laid. We'll be all right. Yeah, yeah it actually did make me think of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just so that we don't, like, turn this another half an hour of just slobbering over this movie. Do you want well, to go- Hold on, because I got one that might do just that. Um, before we move on to two, the, the biggest fan theory on the internet, are they dead? Are they dead? Now, obviously, in canon, we know now they are not, because two counts and the video game actually counts as three, as according to Dan Aykroyd. Um, but if movie, are they dead at the end? No. no. So no. they, they crossed the streams, which is supposed to be total protonic reversal and it would yeah. scramble their atoms and possibly, you know, send them to the other dimension. But the top three floors of the building blow up and like nothing could have survived that explosion. And they deliberately put that in there just because it was funny. Right. But even Egon says there's a definitely a very slim chance we could survive. Right. And, and I'm going to go with the Hulk defense of but big monster. Sure, but so, yeah, there there is a, a widespread fan theory that the reason everyone has forgotten about them by the time of Ghostbusters 2 uh, is because they're all dead and they're in, like, purgatory or hell and they're just basically forced to live out this whole thing. Yeah, I've never, I've never really... Yeah, I've never really heard that theory about this movie. I know that theory about Greece, where well, they yeah, say that when they fly off at the end, that they fly off to heaven, yep. Yeah, but I've never, I've never heard that about Ghostbusters. Justin and I hosting the Grease Two podcast coming this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I, I've seen, I've seen Grease way too many times because my dad loves that movie. I can do it. I've got that movie. Too, buddy. All I can say is you're the one I don't want. <laughs> Which brings us to. Uh, tell me go- more. Tell me more. Did she put up a fight? All right, that's your third. Yeah. All right, no more singing, Justin. And now right. we can tag in Sarah because we're moving to Ghostbusters 2. Okay, this was uh, summer of 89, yes? Yes. Uh, okay. So this one I did actually see in the theater. I remember that much. Um, I was probably. This is what I should have said, Brian Adams. I was probably 11 uh, or so. Um, and I guess we can, I mean, I know we pretty much blew over the plot of the first one entirely, but uh, I can just do a really quick run through of the, it's five years after the first film. Uh, they're all doing other things because they basically went out of business because the city of New York sued their pants off after the events of the first film. Um, Peter's doing like a public access show on like psychics and crap. Um and one of the the World male of the psychic. psychic. Yep, the male psychic was played by Kevin Dunn, who uh, was Shia LaBeouf's dad in the Transformers movies, mm-hmm. and played the role of Joel Hornick in the Seinfeld episode Male Unbonding. <laughs> um, no, he's been in a lot of stuff. It was Joel Hornick? I thought it was him, but then I also thought it was Paul Lovitz, and I thought Paul Lovitz played Joel Hornick. Re- oh, John Lovitz. 
That's it. That's who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, no, that's not John Lovitz. Joe uh, Lovitz. He has, like, He's like no the Frank Stallone. He doesn't know who anyone is. But yep. John John Lovitz is in another sitcom, Friends. <laughs> he was okay. uh okay. he was in that episode you sang, with Phoebe. You sang three times, you don't get your Power Ranger <laughs> shit in friendship. Um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> um so Ray opens up an occult bookstore. Uh Egon's doing research for somebody on like emotional states and whatever, which is kind of like what Josh said earlier. He sets up the entire plot essentially during that. Um Dana comes to him again because she has a kid now and she was taking the kid down the sidewalk one day and the cart took off in the middle of the street and almost got the kid killed. Um the audience has shown like purple slime coming up through the street, which I think the carriage rolled into that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what started it. The fucking um, Ninja Turtles, man. Yep. They <laughs> well, they take- you you forgot a very key part. So uh, Ray and Winston are also doing birthday parties, and it's funny. It's very self referential. They're using the song, like the theme song, as that, that was- uh, to do birthday parties. Who are you going to call? (laughs) He-Man! What's really funny about that scene is, so they're at the birthday party and some little snot-nosed kid is like, my dad said you're full of it. That You you know, you you guys are con artists. And what's really funny is that's uh, um, Rittman's uh, son. The one who's actually directing Afterlife. Is that Jason? Yeah, Jason. Oh, wow. Sarah pointed that out. Okay. Which I thought he looked exactly like Glenn from Mad Men, but (laughs) And it's funny because he says, my dad says you're full of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his dad's the director. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yep. So Dana's working in a museum doing, like, art restoration. I don't know how you got that from, you know. uh, Was a cello? It's the same thing. Um, Well, I mean, look at Lewis. Lewis It's all the arts. Tax accountant, and now he's you know he went to law school at night. Yeah, but he does. He's a lawyer. Said like accounting stuff, like law related to that and patent stuff. So, so Dana goes to Egon and Ray after the thing with the baby carriage, and they start doing their own research. Peter finds out what they're doing because you know Ray can't keep a secret after you twist his ear for a minute. He's he's Um, hosting a sleazy Donahue type show. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Uh your alien had a room at the Holiday Inn in Paramus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um so they decide they uh start to take it upon themselves try to figure out where the the slime stuff is coming from. They cut a giant hole in the middle of uh First Avenue, was it? It was First Avenue, yep. Okay. Um... The fact that you have not mentioned Vigo the Carpathian like disturbs me. I was gonna get to that. Oh, oh I, yeah, I kind of <laughs> blew over it though, didn't I? You did. Uh, you told, you, oh, she worked at a museum, and no, I was like, yep. here he is. So, she, so she works for the for that weird, like indeterminate immigrant, immigrant guy played by Peter McNichol, who I, I thought he's like some kind of uh, nondescript Eastern European. So he, what he's doing is he's emulating Meryl Streep from Sophie's Choice. And really? He's supposed, he to be Jekyll, he's supposed to be Czechoslovakian. Okay. Yeah, well, well and I th- the, he goes, which no, is where, up, the hell, where in the hell are you from? He goes to the Upper West Side. The Upper East Side, yeah. No, I think oh, it's the Upper yeah, 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 right. Which is hilarious because Czechoslovakia yeah. is two different countries now. And the, the, mm. Yeah. 
And I and I know so, and I know some people from Czechoslovakia and they don't really talk like that guy. My family is from a large part of them is from Czechoslovakia. Lance's family. Really? Huh. Yep. So are they the Czechos that, or the Slovaks? I believe the Czechos. Okay. <laughs> he is restoring a painting of um, Vigo the Carpathian, who I assume is somebody they made up for this. So, yeah. all right, I'll stop you right there. Vigo the Carpathian is very clearly based on Vlad the Impaler, mm-hmm. yep. the real world inspiration for Dracula. Dracula. However, because it's fucking Dan Aykroyd and he's into this shit and did his research, Vigo the Carpathian is based on Stephen the Third who was this Moldovian ruler from 1547 who basically was Vigo. And he wasn't quite a sorcerer, but he was like this ruthless tyrant that like fucking killed everybody and started all these Moldovian wars. And I was just surprised that Moldovia was a real place because I thought it was like, you know, either where Wakanda? Dr. Doom was from or where uh, Geoforce was from. We have no concept <laughs> of geography, so... Well, that's oh, and Markovia. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think you got messed up with Mardovian. Oh, man. Um, so, the evil ghost in the painting gets the, the Peter McNichol guy to... Uh, he wants a child to inhabit and apparently, th- this movie is set around Christmas, New Year's. Yes, so... this is one of the rare New Year's movies. Mm. Yep. So this apparent this ritual to do this apparently has to happen by midnight on New Year's Eve. The season of evil. Even so, about New Year's Eve, than there are about Halloween. Yep. Yes. So um... they go to court after the whole thing with the the cutting into the street and stuff. Um, that judge is like ridiculous, by the way. I've just found something ridiculous. Um, good scene though, overall. And then, uh, they try to, um, at one point, doesn't Venkman run into the mayor and you meet the like campaign? He's, he's trying to get to the mayor, and that's when, uh, the other guy like intercedes and has them, you know, arrested. Committed. committed. Well, he yeah. hasn't committed later. Oh, yeah, that, that comes towards the end. Yeah. Uh, after uh, Janos kidnaps the baby, and they have to go, and then everything goes to hell. Like you start to, see, that was like a redo of the montage from the first movie. Just with, yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll stop you right there because it's a lot to unpack, and we we skipped over the how did everybody find this one? Because Sarah's story for this is one oh, of yeah, my we favorite need Sarah stories. <laughs> we need we this. Have favorite Sarah stories. Does, does this include your argument for why this is better than one? Because this I gotta hear. <laughs> this so is the part I've been think, waiting for. So I think everybody knows. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a child of the of the '80s, but the late '80s. So I actually saw Ghostbusters 2 first. Um, I actually didn't even realize there was a first one um and i didn't even realize this was a ghostbusters movie for a really long time so my parents uh, i don't know had like that hack where you would you know steal hbo or whatever so and they would tape everything because then they'd lose subscriptions or whatever so i saw the blob as a child when i shouldn't have the 80s one which is a very very violent visceral horror movie and i love it by the way one of my favorite movies uh so my parents uh, had um, 
recorded it on a VHS. And then, you know, it's only, it's probably what, like two hours, if that. And these tapes can hold like several hours. So my parents were notorious for taping multiple things on the same tape. So, oh, yeah, I used to do that. So my parents, uh, you know, recorded the blob. And then right after it, record it this. Now, you mentioned, you know, you see five years later flash across the screen, and then you see some pink ooze. And then, you know, you see it throughout the, you know, the movie, and it's, you know, there's, like, tentacles, there's, like, a river of it, the, uh, the bathtub tries to eat the baby. So, you It know, makes a toaster I... dance. <laughs> exactly. So when I was a child, I thought it was a continuation of the blob. I thought it was all one movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so God. I had no idea. And I was like, oh, okay, these are new characters. It's in New York. Like, wow. Like, it, it, it wow, that's a tone shift, from. man. Like, bold choice for the third act. <laughs> right? So I had no idea. I was like, oh, so for a long time, I, like I said, didn't even realize it was a Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> But in a way, that makes it really good because then, like, you think the Blob is like this terrifying movie that has this really happy ending. Well, kind of, yeah. yeah and right. They, like... they call it the slime, and I'm like, oh, I guess you know they changed some of it up. But like, again, you know, my, my uh, critical reasoning skills weren't that great as a child. So <laughs> they must have made it some wasn't great. Until I was older that I realized they were in fact two different movies. Some great well... advancement in science over five years to make them realize it's not a blob; it's actually slime. And that's right. All right, we're good to go. <laughs> like... Yeah. That's yeah, all right. You, they you were giving me grief earlier about seeing the second one. Person, um... And, you know, she's still a, a very young, spry, beautiful young woman, but she has sometimes the personality traits of an old Jewish grandmother. And this is not something new. I've heard stories. She did this in college. So I can absolutely picture like a six year old Sarah sitting there and like analyzing this movie like a 75 year old woman just being like, oh, they're calling it the slime now. I don't know about that. Uh, let me just say for the record, my wife has. An old Jewish grandmother, uh, so I can definitely some I can definitely kind of hear some of that as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to this movie now I'm unfortunately going to horrify my better half. Um, as I've told you, Bill Murray wanted no part of this. I don't believe it's, that. It's true. No, there interviews, yeah, no, it's, everything. It's true. Do anything after this? And no, I no. He, he was pissed after the he, fact that this wasn't received as well as the first. He one. didn't want to do any part of this. He's he's done interviews since saying that I don't. They had that. a different script, and he thought it was something wonderful. Well, I found the original script, and it's terrible. Yeah. The only thing with Ghost is the Scolari brothers, and that's like the only thing that made it into the finished product. Vigo was going to be Dana's ex-boyfriend and the father of Oscar, and he was like possessed and stalking her. Uh, which would have no turned it of slime. Which is if... a river of cockroaches. Oh God, Lord, oh, God. no! And yeah, the thing is, that was they... a genuine reaction. She's never heard that. Oh before. God, uh, I, I, I have, <laughs> an, I don't like bugs at all, especially those. Especially those. So you know, me being the sadomasochist that I am, actually used to date an entomologist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Ew. Okay, so yeah, where Josh said that, I want to bring this up. Like, if they would have went with the original plan, that whole, like, Vigo, like, being the father of the kid that he was supposed to end up being, 
would have been the exact same as that ridiculous fucking Avengers plot line. I was going to say Captain Avengers Marvel. plot line. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yo. Yeah. So I'm wondering if like did, did Ivan Reitman read some of his kids' comic books and be like fucking weird fucking shit? But okay, and just like entirely possible. But yeah. So Bill Murray's thing was. He didn't want to put on the jumpsuit. So there's like three scenes with him wearing the outfit. And usually they're all in like the, the non-regular ones. They're in like the gray ones or the blue ones. Um, and most of the movie is reshoots because they realized that it was just too dour and it was too focused on Peter and Dana. So everything with uh, not the Scolari brothers, but Winston underground with the ghost train, um, the shots of, of the Vigo film being developed and it, burst into flame and then Winston saves the day all right. reshoots all done on the fly 95% of the Lewis stuff apparently was shot later because yes. they were just like we need something to fill it and Rick Moranis is like the only thing that's bringing joy to this movie right now hmm makes me wonder if maybe that's why Marie was so resistant to the third one for so long too yeah probably I mean, well, but he did do the video game and that is according to Dan Aykroyd again the canon third one yeah um so the the original court scene was supposed to have Walter Peck come back mm-hmm. I don't know if they couldn't get the guy or they just changed it but uh, I think Moranis he had, might have been shooting uh, in that entire scene he might have been shooting Die Hard at the same time. He ad libbed Yeah, most of his lines are ad libbed. I but the you know the the blue thing I got from her. Yeah, the official Miss Strange order. And you don't us exposing ourselves. The guy that played actually was a great scene. I saw an interview with him one time, and he said like he didn't want to come back to the character because he was getting so many people like just come up to him in the street and be like, "You're that dickhead from Ghostbusters." That he like he just wasn't used to that because like he never played a character that had that much attention. I guess like wait, who is this Peck? The guy that played Peck. Like now, now he gets oh, you're the dickhead from Die Hard. Well, he gets like hey, dickhead. I believe that guy's name is William Atherton. Probably. Uh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> sounds sounds about right. But yeah, I guess for a while, like he really it bothered him just walking down the street with his kids and people just going, "Hey, Dickless." Listen, if Margaret Hamilton can, you know, withstand people calling her the Wicked Witch of the West, even when she was a kindergarten teacher and was surrounded by children, he should man up. Well, I mean, she hung out with Mister Rogers, so she might be sinister. Halloween special as the Wicked Witch when she was like seventy five. Yep. Well, well, like I was saying, they may have been shooting Die Hard at the same time as this because Die Hard came out in eighty eight, right? Yep. So depends on when they were shooting it. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Could depend on on schedule and stuff. Yeah, not Um, impossible, Karen. In some ways, I did. You know. I appreciated the second one more, I think, this time because as much as a lot of the setup in the in the first movie is really fun, like this one's able to not do a lot of that and just get right into the it gets into the plot way faster because you don't have to like establish why this is an actual thing. You've already done that. Um, so have we talked about whether or not you know we like one versus two or? What we think? Well, everybody likes one better, except for you. Except well, for me. I mean, I'm not denying, I'm not saying one is a bad movie, but again, I think it comes back to the fact that I saw it first. I've probably yeah. seen it, 
you know, a dozen more times. I still really enjoy one, but like I, I enjoy two. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, so like I, I was down on two. We watched it a year ago and I was like, you know what? I've been too hard on it. And then when we got the steel book for one, there was no American steel book for two. So what I did was I bought Ghostbusters two on Blu-ray to upgrade it. And then I actually bought the European steel book just for the case. And it's the river of slime and it looks awesome. So we have that. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Sarah, just as a comparative, like we pretty much, like Josh said, we all pretty much thought one was the better of the two. I mean, for me, one is my all-time favorite comedy. So, like, but like, I, I can see arguments where two would be other people's favorite because, like, it, yeah, one is an overall better like told movie in a lot of ways. But like, two, if you watched that one when you were young, like, I, there was a mm. lot in it that was just kind of fun that like sticks with you. Yeah. Well, like I, like I think I said in the uh, chat for this, you know, for a long time, two was my favorite because that was the only one I had seen. And then as I got older, when I started watching the first one more, I started liking the first one more. But no, I, I can I can completely see why you would like two over one. I just I just don't like two over one. I like one over two. But yeah. yeah. Well, one is well, that, like- and they also had the TV series when we were kids and then, you know everything was like slimer related and yeah especially because like slimer was kind of bad in the first one where in this one he or yeah in the second one he kind of just i don't know he just eats everything and just kind of hangs around the firehouse yeah it was supposed yeah. to be like the funny mascot thing you exactly. know what I mean? For yeah kids. and then in the cartoon it ended up being more like their pet which like yeah the dog. and then he ended up just <laughs> taking over the entire fucking show by the end of it so in, in the video game, for anybody who hasn't played it, they, played they it. explain Slimer. He is a sentient glob of ectoplasm. He was never like a living ghost. And then we find out that the Gozer worshippers tried to summon ghosts and they summoned him as the embodiment of gluttony. And he just started eating things in the hotel and would never leave. Oh, uh, see, I thought I thought find out and there is a I brief mention of it when they mention about the 12th floor. <laughs> there is no 13th floor in the Sedgwick because um, that's the real ghost. It's haunted by this serial killer who's like half spider now because she's like a ghost demon and she's like the main level boss in there. This is in the video in game. In the video oh, game, okay. but Dan Dan Aykroyd wrote the video game, and he's like, "I'm gonna fill in all the blanks." Like yeah, I never played the video game. I, I remember it because I could tell it was his voice. Yep, on it's cover. all of their voices. All of them. Yeah, they all came back. Even Ramus was there you for play that as rookie, and they're all they all just like shit talk you like Winston the whole movie. I mean, <laughs> and if yeah. we're gonna branch off into some of the other media, um, if some people out there are interested in comic books. They do actually have, um, besides like the comic books about the original Ghostbusters, when they do like a new, they like make like a next generation of Ghostbusters in the comic book. And it's actually a really uh, cool like series where it's like, you know, I think there's like, uh, I think one of them is Egon's daughter. And then there's like a guy, a girl and some other guy. And like they like, and he's like more of the mentor thing. And it's it's actually cool. There was a girl. Remember the extreme extreme Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Is that a video game or is that the? I no, think it was there was a TV was... show in like the mid nineties during. Yeah, do, do you remember like the, the real Ghostbusters? Well, the, the real Ghostbusters, right? 
Yeah. Well, okay. I think was on like here's, uh, here's when they were weird... changing Fox Kids to that box thing or something. So Here, speaking here's of the some... real Ghostbusters, just to catch Sarah. Up, sorry, real quick, Brad. Okay. Um, we said before there's actually this thing from the '60s. I don't know if you know about it called Ghostbusters, and it's like these old guys with a fucking gorilla that drive around a mystery machine looking for a ghost. Oh. And so they had the name. You? Basically, yeah. So they had the name. So when they made the movie, they at the last minute got the rights. We watched the. Um, how oh, the movies are made on yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. And they... like movies that made us. And then that became a cartoon based on the popularity of the movie. So the reason ours is called The Real Ghostbusters is because they wanted to be like, fuck you, this is the popular one. Um, huh. In that, they don't have Ernie Hudson. They have Arsenio Hall. And you totally no-sold <laughs> me because when we put on Ghostbusters 2 the other day, I was like, and now, you know, Ernie Hudson's been recast as Arsenio Hall. You didn't even see <laughs> I think understand what you're talking about. That's why I said that. Okay, so but yeah, I think I think Extreme Ghostbusters. uh, Just to jump back on that, I think that was when, um, like, like I was saying, Fox Kids like stopped becoming a thing, and Fox changed to that other thing, like Fox Box or Box Fox, whatever the hell it was called. Yeah, it was the 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 attitude era of the '90s where everything got like an X on it. Well, yeah, yeah, like it was it was the same style is like the men in black and the fucking Godzilla cartoon that they did yep. around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around 997, 98, yeah. yeah. But uh the real Ghostbusters cartoon back in the 80s is one of the only cartoons that had like a fucking like 120 fucking episode fucking like every day of the week syndication fucking Oh order. yeah, it was great. It was like At the every, same time every morning the block was GI Joe Real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that weird ass Monster Mash show for a while. Yeah. Uh, Care Bears, and then uh, He Man. But it it also okay. It had like the ridiculously long like week oh and weekday run, run at the same time that it had a separate fucking Saturday morning fucking order of like sixty two episodes. And it had a fuckload of toys. And oh yeah, there's, oh there's... yeah, I remember they had, and they even have um. The uh, the firehouse in the witches. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I remember. Oh, the toys were great. I, uh, my brothers were too young, but my mom had friends who had sons my age, so we would all play together. And I remember playing with those. And they also had like the a Beetlejuice thing. Mm-hmm. He had the best toys. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, oh, it Beetlejuice was a cartoon too. Yep. Honestly, of all of the monsters from that cartoon show, uh, the one I remember was the Boogeyman. That's the Boogeyman was terrifying. The hell out of me. Yep. So should we? It occurs to me that I mean we're gonna whoever sees Afterlife is gonna review that. I I think. Mm-hmm. Do we have any like preview type thoughts on that? I guess like. Well, we well, we I don't want to do any spoilers, and I think Sarah and I. Are spoiler, yeah. Uh, we're going tomorrow. Yeah, but this but, is not a spoiler. Been, Apparently, like, there I are two um, post uh, post movie scenes. Yeah, so, two two post so credits. So it's like after, a Marvel movie. Yeah, so stay till after okay. the credits and. Um, Apparently it's no well maybe this is spoiler territory but we've already we already know apparently there's no new characters in them. Oh, okay. In the, in the spoil yeah. in the in the post yeah. credits. Um, I mean for me like I I mean I think it can be I see an avenue where it can be a good movie. It's just not going to be the kind of thing I would want something like this to be. I feel well, like it's be a a Stranger Things movie with Ghostbusters people in it. 
kind yeah. of. Yeah. Finn Wolfhard has already been a Ghostbuster. I mean, he actually, I think, went on record saying that he thought because he was, you know, dressed up as the Ghostbuster in Stranger Things that he wouldn't get cast. But, you know, he ended up getting cast. And same with McKenna Grace, who is, you know, in every single horror movie or, you know, she's in every, she's like a very in-demand uh, child actress. Yeah, she's Ginger Dakota Fanning. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I wanted on the record that again, I've never actually seen answered the call, but at the time when everybody was going back and forth, not us, just like literally everybody, you know, oh, we don't want this movie because there's women in it. It's like, no, no, no. My only complaint was, don't do this movie set out of the continuity, especially yes. with that trailer that was like you know thirty years later. That's. Um, but then it was also I don't really need a third Ghostbusters like the video game. Yeah. Was, damn good for a story even if you're not going to play it and i would actually say don't play it because the game i know they've re-released it like five times so they probably yeah, streamlined the it because the original like actually catching the ghost took like fucking 25 minutes per ghost it was awful yeah they uh, cut that down to about 15 like that but like the story and the dialogue everything was great um i didn't need I think that translates to film then well it could have but like they were too old at that point like even yeah. though you could hear it in their voices and then unfortunately obviously harold ramus died yeah. um but yeah, he's just going off the cat's been going off the whole time you probably hear him in the background with fuse oh, yeah. in many podcasts That's um, all right. the you know the whole thing with the 2016 movie was i don't need an action movie ghostbusters i just want something simple like you know dropping off or picking up yeah i don't need you know yeah. like callbacks to the state puff marshmallow man and the terror dogs and like heartfelt sentimentality about chinese food and petty cash and and, and you know, like yeah like place in the same yeah universe i mean you know and i know people we're saying, oh, it's because we're all misogynist. We hate women. It has nothing to do with it. It was an inferior. I'll go on record and say it was an inferior story. Absolutely, the fact that they were women had nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah just they used that as, They used the fact that it was women as a shield to cover the fact that they made a bad movie. Mm-hmm. That and it was those particular women in those particular roles. I mean, you know, well, I, I like, mean, I yeah, no, I mean, like, I mean, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig can uh, be good. You know, like you know, Kristen Wiig can be, you know, and then uh, who's the other one that's in it? Like, there's there's like two of them that can be good. Oh yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I like all of them except Leslie Jones. That movie was. was Oh yeah, Leslie. When it was really funny. Uh, Leslie Jones was the one I was like. I thought Kate McKinnon was funny. I thought Kate McKinnon was funny. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of. Yep. She just all she did was Jim Carrey's Fire Marshal Fred. Pretty much. <laughs> the whole time. That's all she was doing. She was just mean mugging to the fucking camera. And it's just like, okay. Yep. And my whole thing and I also thought uh Hemsworth was really funny in that too as he well. He was actually I, I, he's I, always funny. It's just funny is great. As much as like they made him so fucking stupid, I was wondering how <laughs> how he was breathing. But uh Luckily, he has the ability to kind of turn like something that's shitty like that into something that's somewhat passable, you know? Yep. So I have uh, compiled a list here because I, I made the claim and there's a basic overview. Uh, like The Force Awakens, my argument is this movie, Ghostbusters 2, beat for beat the same as the first one. All right. So the basic overview, I'll speed through this. Both times the Ghostbusters start off down and out, disrespected nobodies, 
They notice the first stirrings of a potentially major paranormal problem. No one believes them. They get into trouble. Uh, the public starts to take notice of them. They save the day. There's a montage. Their hero status is confirmed. They have to stop a great supernatural evil coming from another dimension. Okay, that's pretty basic. Yep. And here we go. We get our opening supernatural scare with the Grey Lady versus the Oscar carriage. Peter, separate from Egon and Ray, dismisses a real psychic to entertain a fake one. Dana is by herself when she first notices and becomes the target of the supernatural evil, has an awkward run-in with a neighbor and or colleague. Ray and Egon discuss the similar scientifically documented phenomena of real-world events, sponge migration versus the carriage roll. Peter comes in as a skeptic just to fuck with them. They go to investigate Dana's apartment. Peter ignores what's really going on to hit on Dana. Ghostbusters go off to investigate the first occurrence. Go get her Ray versus someone's got to go down there. Vigo turns Janos. Zul grabs Dana. Janos, uh, this is a reshoot, which is the Janos in the hallway, and that sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, Ghostbusters get kicked out of college. Ghostbusters are arrested. Sedgwick Hotel, Scolari Brothers courtroom scene. Ghostbusters montage, back at business montage. Egon and Ray investigate Dana's apartment lore. Egon and Ray investigate the mood slime. Peter meets Dana at Central Park, and Dana tells him she feels unsafe. Peter sees Vigo painting, and Dana tells him she feels unsafe. Egon finds Laura on Evo Shandor. Ego find, Egon finds Laura on Vigo. Uh, real, hold on. Um, and then I, I basically stopped it there because it's just like, you know, you could keep going well, from that, but yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, with with all kinds of sequels, I mean, a lot of them usually are beat for beat, like the first one. You know, most of them. I mean, you do have the sequels that you know differ from the first one, but a lot of like these commercially made sequels and stuff like that, you know, tend to kind of follow the same beats because that's kind of what you want. You want people to, you know, kind of have the same movie, but just slightly. Sure, different. but so like obviously we talked about this with Terminator, Terminator Two. Yeah, I feel that that, and a lot of us agree that was like the perfect way to do it, where it's you know obvious it has not to the original but it doesn't beat you over the head i mean this starts to feel downright lazy and then when you notice that like you could actually see bill murray has like taken himself out of the movie to the point where they had to reshoot the rest of the movie because he's just not in it yeah uh you know one of my favorite scenes is is point simple of that where he takes dana out on the date and then you know they go down into the river of slime and they come in and it's you know boys boys you're scaring the straights that was always judy's favorite line but you know like they had to put that whole extended what 14 minute reshoot in there because otherwise it would have just been like 23 straight minutes of peter and dana Uh, yeah but if bill murray wouldn't have been a cunt we wouldn't have got lewis riding the bus Sure, exactly. And then so, yeah, I mean, that was the reshoot and that worked. You know, Lewis and Slimer, that that worked. So I mentioned before a couple of things. I got one thing wrong. There is no Dana. Uh, here is the original, original draft of Ghostbusters 2. It's a totally different movie. There's no Dana, no River of Slime. We covered that. No Janos, no Slimer, no Vigo painting. Uh, Vigo is not the Vigo we knew. He's a Russian monk from the early 1900s has a big beard and wears robes decorated with religious symbols. Later, he will possess... Uh, her name is Lane. Anybody else hear Boney M's fucking rah-rah Rasputin playing in their heads right now? <laughs> uh, there's no Dana. She's not even mentioned. We get Lane Walker as Pete's love interest. 
She's pretty much zero personality beyond being a damsel in distress, written by Bill Murray. Uh, Lane and Peter's relationship is incredibly forced and quick. By page 11, he's already in her apartment flirting with her. PKE meters aren't used at all, only the gigameter, which they used to get the boot slime. Uh, the whole point of the movie is the Ghostbusters aren't investigating ghost activity. They're investigating something called psychomagnetic energy, a.k.a. bad vibes. Ray is extremely against the Ghostbusters reforming, which is odd because he has to be talked into it by Peter. For 90% of the movie, Vigo is possessing Jason Locke. He's Lane Walker's abusive ex-boyfriend and father of the baby. There is no Oscar. He is only put in the script as the baby. Um, we covered the River of Slime. Winston is barely in the movie. He's only in the birthday party scene and then not seen again until page 45. He leaves and doesn't show up until page 78. And then he gets nothing important to do. He's just literally in the background. Walter Peck in the first movie testifies in the courtroom scene. The Scolari brothers scene is the only thing intact and the only instance of ghosts in the entire movie. Um, the Ghostbusters don't do any Ghostbusting except the Scolari brothers. The whole movie is them investigating things and doing research. There is a scene of a man and a woman in a mansion and he's about to shoot her and claims that he's possessed. Uh, there is a more cults, a cult of Vigo, a cult of Gozer. Uh, there's more dramatic tension. Um, Ray and Egon go to investigate the not river of slime. Describe what that was. It happens completely off camera. We only hear them talk about it. Uh, well, the band uh... Bill walks out on the ledge, but Peter and Lane remarkably aren't concerned. Peter is able to just pull him in. The Ghostbusters are never in their jumpsuits during the entire movie, except for one scene in the middle. And then again, for the final showdown, they don't use proton packs at all. Another Bill Murray thing. Uh, apparently, in all of the scenes where he has one, all three, it's a rubber one that has no weight to it because in the original movie, they were actually heavy. And he's like, I'm not doing that shit again. The Titanic scene is immediately followed up by a Hindenburg scene, which is exactly the same thing and just feels horribly redundant. The weirdest part of the movie, the mayor allows the Ghostbusters to cut into NBC Nightly News to tell all New Yorkers to be nice to each other. Ray even suggests they sing Christmas carols and New Year's songs. Well, so, there is yeah, like a... terrible. Well, there is like a bad vibes, like like part to it well yeah that's the whole right? movie Justin. yeah what I'm saying, like, no no but i'm saying like i'm saying awful. like the bad vibes part does stick around for the for what ended up being the second movie that, that's what i'm saying that's the whole movie but like uh, like we said there was also a cartoon and a huge fucking toy line that was marketed at kids around this time so they were getting mm -hmm. they were getting a lot more push for like hey we need to sell toys we need to market like you need to think of the younger audience like it got dumbed down and dumbed down on every step of the way. So, like, that might have been two or three different, like, rewrites, like, before we ended up at where we ended up. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. And I mean, there's definitely some, you know, flawed what's left, what's taken out. Um, there's a whole subplot with Ray being secondary possessed by Vigo that is all but cut out. And then you just get the scene where, like, he kind of like goes into a daze. And then at the very end, out of nowhere, he is seemingly possessed and turns on them. And then they just start shooting him with the mood slime while they're shooting the Vigo painting with the proton packs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see why they didn't make what you just read. Yeah. No. And so that's the one that Bill Murray insists. Oh, that was a great movie. I would have loved to have done that. 
Yeah, because he would have been like 90% of the fucking screen time. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, so I mentioned, you know, my first thing was the Ghostbusters 2 NES video game. I doubt any of you except maybe Brent have ever played it. Um, it's incredibly hard. You One hit, you're killed. And I'm going to walk you through it. You start off in the museum as a Ghostbuster. And you're just walking through. There's like moving things that are invincible. There's some ghosts you can get with a trap. Some you have to shoot. Uh, it's a side scroller and everything will kill you. You get to the end of the museum. Then you're driving the car. Half the road is destroyed and you have to perfectly time jumps after going over speed ramps while collecting Ghostbuster symbols. And if you don't collect enough of them, you die. If you miss your jump or mistime your jump, you die. Uh, the next level after that, you're back either in the museum or in the sewer. So there's like an on-foot level, a car level. There's two more really hard car levels. And then you take control of the Statue of Liberty. Um, in between every level, you start over as a new Ghostbuster. And then when you finish that one section, you get a little cutscene of that one Ghostbuster shooting the Vigo painting. Now, for someone who had never seen the movie and didn't know what the fuck it was, I had no idea what was happening. This, this game is, is literally nearly impossible. Uh, I did manage to finally beat it with Game Genie, and once you get to the end, you have all the Ghostbusters shooting the painting. There is no boss fight with Vigo. They were like the game was just that hard, and it just ends. Wow, yep. I think I played that too. I don't think I got that far though. The hardest part is the Statue of Liberty because it gets like these weird battle upgrades so like first it's just walking in the water and there's like flying ghosts that you have to shoot and you have like torches that you could shoot and then you get like another upgrade and it starts shooting sideways and the car did the same thing and like you, you get like shields and other things but if you miss like one power up like everything will kill you on the screen yeah does someone have a printer from the 90s running in the background That's what it sounds like yeah i was gonna say something like that I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe Corey's it's watching, a ghost. Corey's watching the Big Bang Theory in the next room. I don't know. No, I don't know if it's our phone or... It almost sounds like 70s Spider-Man Spider-Sense. It, it does, actually. It definitely does sound like a 90s printer, though. I remember that noise vividly. Yeah. The dot matrix or whatever, and you had the... Was yep. there uh, anything else we wanted to hit here? Um, Sarah, you have anything else? No. I made as many jokes as I could. I I think we about covered it. You know, we could do favorite lines in both movies. Uh, Janos, there's one point where like Dana fucking like he tries to hit on her and she shoots him down and just fucking bolts out of the scene. And instead of the scene ending where you think it would, he just looks over at someone who's like one of the artists in the room and he goes, "Everything you are doing is bad." Yeah. I just want you to know this. I and it, it's the best throwaway line I've ever heard. And it's like, there's no way that wasn't just a stupid ad lib, but he fucking nailed it. Like, yep. Uh, from two for me, it's probably uh, when they're doing the the mood slime and toaster thing, and Ray just goes, "We talk to it, sing to it, sing positive, reassuring things to it." Yeah, ego. And then, and then they say, Are you sleeping with it? You're not sleeping with it, are you, Ray? Yeah. And he kind of looks and around. Egon just has a sheepish yeah, look Egon on his face. Egon has, like, you know, the, the shame face. Yeah. Egon totally put his dick in the slime. 
Yep. And one, one, there's too many. Like I can't. You know, to also, one. a reason for the slime is because the toy line came with slime, the ectoplasm slime, and like, oh yeah, yep. that like eighty slime was a huge fucking like marketing factor. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah, and then you know, Ninja Turtles, everything came with the ooze, so they they tried he to put even. that shit and everything. Yeah, he man, there was tons of fucking slime. Nickelodeon. I'm sure they made the slime in the second movie pink so they could sell it in a different color finally. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, yes, that's why slime ended up being such a huge part of it because it was like a super cheap fucking formula that was open market and they all just were like, yeah, let's fucking sell slime. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Which is funny because like, as far as like toys for movies go, there was never any Ghostbuster movie toys. Up until like, like recently with fucking hobby fucking specialty stores like NECA and stuff, right? Right. Oh, so here, here's a, a trivia for the cartoon. In the real Ghostbusters cartoon, the 1984 movie mm-hmm. is a movie, mm-hmm. and they all go to Hollywood to see world. it. They go to Hollywood to see it, and they're like, "This yep. is nothing like us." Yep. But they also did Battle Gozer, so we don't know what happened. And fun connection: Peter Venkman in the movies was Bill Murray. Peter Venkman originally in the cartoons, I think it was Lorenzo Music was his name, who was the That's voice correct. of Gar- Garfield in the cartoon Garfield, which ended up later on having Bill Murray by accident. That's hilarious. Thought he was working with another director being the voice of Garfield. Nope. He, yeah, actually got, right. he actually got Lorenzo Music fired from the real Ghostbusters cartoon and replaced with Dave Coulier. Well, he didn't have the decision to replace him with Coulier, but he had Lorenzo Music fired because he didn't want his character on the cartoon that he had nothing to do with to sound like Garfield. That is hilarious. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Uh, my, my other favorite line from the first one is, again, Egon, after, you know, Ray manifest the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Venkman realizes, you know, okay, I'll turn to Egon. He goes, Egon? And he just deadpans and goes, sorry, Venkman, I'm terrified beyond the capacity for a rational thought. And, like, yeah, the one... Good. What did you do, Ray? <laughs> the, what did you do, Ray, is a great one. Yeah. One of my favorites and is when... The inflection, he's so angry. Yeah, then he said, like, what did you do? It's like... One of my favorites is when they're going up in the elevator in the fucking hotel at the first when the first time they fight Slimer, and they fucking clicking on the packs. Oh, and then he Ray, backwards. Egon, yeah, and just the look yeah, that fucking so Bill Murray shoots him. It's just like I was gonna say. I think that was uh, the second one. That line, that's, that's probably my favorite line from from the movies. And it, it's not Egon, even really the Ray, line. Egon. Mm-hmm. It's not even the line; it's the look that Bill Murray shoots him at the end. It's yeah. like you're not supposed to make <laughs> jokes, asshole. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No. When uh, when they first turn on the proton pack and then just take a step backwards, that is one of the funniest things in that movie. And like that's you know how comedy used to be. Yeah, it's so deadpan. Like, but like I said, there anything with like Lewis is fucking like gold. Yeah, especially like, there, like I said, there's like a four minute chunk of that fucking first movie where like, right from dropping off to pick or picking up, right to fucking like then, the whole conversation. And then, uh, and then when they're turning off the uh, the thing downstairs and let all the ghosts out, and uh, I think it's the cop that like steps back, and then as everybody else, like the you know the members of the Ghostbusters team are like going up the stairs. Oh yeah, so I, I was telling Sarah, there's a. 
radio station in Jersey, um, the rock, one of the local rock stations, and every day they do a lunch hour thing, and they play the audio from Ghostbusters, where the cop says, you know, you do your job, Pencil Neck, don't tell me how to do mine. <laughs> he does it again, you can shoot him. Yeah. Um, 405 ROK. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Um, so I had something else, and now I don't remember. <laughs> I was just imitating the radio things. Yeah, like I said, oh. the, the fucking. He's a sailor. It's New York. We got him laid. We, uh, yeah, that's another. <laughs> oh, okay. I remember. I remember. Um, so, you know, two things that I picked up on watching this again. You know, one of my favorite memes of the last, let's say, five, six years is, uh, you know, after a, a certain, let's say, event that happened in a November, there were a lot of angry people. And uh, there's one particular image of a woman just yelling at a horse. <laughs> and the, the caption on the meme is, you know, what the fuck are you yelling at me for, lady? I'm a horse. And with the Vince Corthos, that's all I could think of because, you know, he just delivers that whole thing to the horse and then he growls at the, the cabbie. And uh, John, I don't think you're caught up yet, but I actually got a chuckle out of, you know, if we think of J. Edgar Hoover, he'll show up and destroy us because, you know, really shitty Terminator J. Edgar Hoover is is a hard watch on the new season of Legends. Oh, yeah. No, I'm nowhere close. Yeah. Okay. Corey saw how many of those I have on our DVR right now. Was like, are you ever actually going to watch these again? I just use the CW app while I'm driving to work. You know, it's like an hour drive most days. So, the J. Edgar, uh, the the best J. Edgar Hoover uh, references. Justin Sutherland is coming through the receiver right now. I had to switch to my Bluetooth headphone because my battery was dying. So I get uh, feedback if I use the uh, the wired one. So I'm probably sounding like I'm underwater. A little bit, but yeah, no, my battery's dying too. I mean, we're we're pretty much all wrapped up here. Yeah, so uh, right. yeah, I would say if you haven't played the video game, like I said, it, it literally got remade, reissued about five times. The yep. original, let's say, two thousand six, seven, one. You can avoid. Remaster. It's on. It's on like everything. They did it for PSP. Yeah. They did it. For, yeah, I just I think, bought it for uh, Switch, Switch last summer. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. And I, I sword, thought they changed like the controls, the schematics, kind of like they did with Wind Waker, because in the original, like it was a cool mechanic in theory where you basically had to use a containment stream and then basically slam the control stick down because you were slamming the ghost into a trap, but you first had to weaken it and it was easier said than done and it it went on forever. Uh, And then I heard that basically, you know, they they changed it and made it a lot more streamlined. Uh, Uh, It's It's basically uh, Evo Shandor turned himself into a demigod and he's actually over Gozer. And he's trying to merge the dimensions. And you go through a lot of the locales of the first two movies. Uh, Stay Puff comes back. And then you, you get a lot of more background lore of different things. Huh. Interesting. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the Ghostbusters don't want people to know who they are. So they ask Doctor Strange to... Oh, whoops. Yeah, well... Crossing the strings. I, and, yeah, I... All that I'd add is uh, watch the cartoons too, because they actually were pretty decent. Yeah, they were fun. Re- they really were good fun. voice cast. Like 
anyone from the 80s would remember like 90% of those voices. And uh, to what Justin was saying, I don't know much about these, uh, you know, Ghostbusters next gen in the future, uh, but there were comics that basically followed the real Ghostbusters or even just the 80s cast. Uh, and it was either Boom or IDW, which, you know, usually um, they, they do good work. So, yeah, it was IDW because they're also the ones that made um, those are the ones I was talking about. OK. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, the ones I'm talking about are like volume like two or three or something it's still called i think ghostbusters or something like that but it's like volume two and it's like yeah it's so they did a crossover with transformers not long ago they actually put out like an ecto one transformer toy it's kind of cool yeah i saw that cool cool (laughs) yeah so yeah we um sarah and i are going to be seeing afterlife tomorrow i believe john said you're going on saturday yep all right so Justin and Brent, if you guys want, you know, we can wait for you. If you're not seeing it, no plans, we will, uh, the four of us will take the reins. Three of us will take the reins. I think we were going to try. You know, like I said, I think, I I don't think I'm going to be seeing it until after, sometime after uh, November dinner. So, uh, you know, you guys can do what you want. I know Milos said he he wanted to do it. Yeah. Before all right, so we, we can coordinate that and set that up for sometime next week, then. Cool. All right, boys. All right, everybody. And later. Later. Bye. Newt.